We are the ones who don't know what we're fighting for. Give us a gun and send us all off to war. So they can send us to the moon quarterback can feel a thin bronco. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, then we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned.
you know where you are. You know what we do. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, as like the days of old, it's just golf. He and I flying solo this evening. Uh, Christian and Vin Dog and Booty Hog are off having themselves a time. Hopefully they have a good evening. As we always say around here, life comes first. If shit happens, shit happens. The show will be here. So we are going to rock it old style this evening. So, Kimo Sabi, how goes it this evening? Weird. Kind of a little throwback show. I dig it. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I will miss the boys in spirit, but right. there is something back to the to the throwback days of old, of the beginnings of the show. This hits home a little bit. It's nice, right? Right. Um, yeah, good times. <laughs> good times. So this weekend we have got the uh, as I put it in the uh, post earlier the final layer of cheese in this Dagwood sandwich of pay-per-views the UFC is using to close out Q1 of 2023 <clears throat> excuse me we've got UFC San Antonio Vera versus San Hagen this weekend then a week off next weekend with no big fights anywhere and then the following week we come back with UFC 287 from Miami Adesanya versus Pereira but before we get into all that first and foremost as we like to do around here to kick things off start with a little bit of news and recent events a little bit of the trickle down of the fuckery and fight announcements that have come down the pipes since we saw you fine folks last excuse me uh, first and foremost, uh, if you don't know, now you know. Fuck Dana. Uh, March 31st, next Friday night, official Fight Circus 6, the rise or fall of Sloppy Balboa, officially goes down with what is, in many folks' opinion, the single most highly touted combat sports matchup in all of combat sports history, the Siamese twin fight match with Bob Sapp and Quentin Rampage Jackson versus John Nutt himself and some random quote-unquote MMA aficionado from Thailand in what is sure to be one of the most entertaining moments in punchy kicky history. And why? Because America is the greatest land in history, which is why this fight takes place in Thailand. I am telling you now, it is worth your time to tune into the free fight circus six next weekend. If nothing else, just for that fight alone, but oh, that whole fucking card absolutely spectacular john nutt might be the single greatest mma promoter in the history of all of combat sports imagine if you gave don king dana white's popularity and access to the media and then bobby brown's crack addiction like that's john nutt that's john nutt in a little taiwanese fucking leaf wrap-up like perfectly summarized so uh i can't wait to see how they pull this one off it, a couple of us watched live Fight Circus 5 on the way to the event. 
the truck that was carrying the ring got in an accident and destroyed the rings. We literally watched them build a brand new fucking ring from the ground up in the first hour of the show being live. And it was spectacular because they ended up putting the card on fights took place. The ring was built properly secured, checked everything held up for all the fights. It was spectacular. So I can only imagine what they're going to do now that they've got a little more time on their hands and presumably a, a better setup for their moving of the ring fight circus next weekend. You're going to be a good time. Hopefully they hired a better driver. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Right. You know, fucking end up getting an armored vehicle just to transport the fucking cage to the event. <laughs> oh, but we have got some very, potentially division-shaking fight announcements come out this week. Not a whole lot, but pretty relevant, the ones that we got. Um, the first one here, April 29th, back in the Apex, Armin Sarukian versus Hanato Moicano. That's going to be a spectacular fight and has serious implications both in Moicano's future and how quick Sarukian can really leapfrog up that fucking list to try and get himself into title contention. But either way, it's going to be the main event for the April 29th card. So going to be very interesting to see how five rounds treat those gentlemen. Um. Two weeks after that, the May 13th UFC card at, as a lot of them are right now, location TBD. Coming fresh off of a crazy win, Ian Machado Gary stepping right back in there, this time taking on D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez. That is a very, very big fight, both for both of those gentlemen's careers as well as the division because both those guys are hot prospects tearing the list up. Letting them clash this early, I'm maybe not the way that I would have match made, but I'm also not Sean Shelby. I use my brain more often than not, so we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. <laughs> um, following that, uh, the next week, the June third card again, location TBD, main event, Jack Hermanson versus Brendan Allen. That's a very, very interesting five-round matchup, in my opinion, as well. And again, Hermanson is always dangerous, but he is most definitely on the back half or the second-end slide of his career at this point. So it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of tricks Brennan's going to be able to pull out of his bag against the crafty old motherfucker like Jack Hermanson, who really isn't that old to begin with, just in combat experience years, as it were. Um. Got a couple of interesting ups and downs in the roster segment of the news here. Uh, first, and I think probably most notably, uh, Fabricio Ferdoom is officially no longer under contract with the PFL. He made his single appearance in a bout that was later overturned into a no contest, and they have not opted to contract him for any more fights and apparently just let the sundown clause or the time expire on his contract and have opted instead to just let him become a free agent and go where the winds of fate may take him. Um, that's another one of those dudes that, again, not to take anything away from the genuine fucking notable 
a chunk of history that he has a significant hand in creating for the world of combat sports. But at this point, how how much longer are you going to whip a dead horse? Like, uh, while I'm thinking about it, uh, it is storming its ass off here right now. We are under tornado watches, flash flood watches. The lights have flickered a couple times. If for some reason the stream dies, it's because the fucking power went out. Give us just a minute. Keep refreshing your screen. I promise we'll be right back to finish up. But uh, that being said, Fabricio absolutely deserves some acknowledgement for what he did to help make MMA what it is. But at this time, also, hang the fucking gloves up, man. Your name carries enough weight that you can go do something that doesn't require you to still be getting kicked and punched in the fucking head. And you'll be all right, man. I promise you'll be all right. I have a strange inkling with him. He'll end up over in BKFC. He made a statement this afternoon that said that he's not going to actively look for another MMA contract, but he's also not in the mind state to turn one down should anything interesting to him come across his manager's desk. So he's not thinking about retirement. He's also not actively going to try and get back to the UFC or try and make himself a big fight, but he also won't turn it down at this point, which means BKFC might be able to throw money. At I'm just saying that that's, that smells of Feldman everywhere. It definitely does. That is absolutely. And I'm not mad at it. I, I've enjoyed I know, watching. I, some of these guys have had a little uh, secondary resurgence over there after leaving MMA where they don't have to worry about getting head kicked. Absolutely. Or taking down. There's, there's a couple big ones coming up here pretty fucking soon too. So yeah. No, I would not be mad if he went and chased that bag over to BKFC, but I also think at the same time, he could absolutely just go open a gym down in Brazil somewhere, smile and pop into a class once a week, and the money will start printing itself. Hang a boomerang over the door. <laughs> <laughs> but, <clears throat> excuse me, Fabricio being Fabricio, We'll have to see where it actually takes him. Hopefully, the right direction. Uh, that being said, over to the UFC side of things, uh, Augusto Sakai finds himself in the similar situation. Uh, he has officially been released from the UFC in terms of his contract being completed and them opting not to extend an offer to renew it. His total fight record while in the UFC ended up at four and five, literally won his first four in a row and then lost his last five in a row. Three of those five being by knockout. So at this point, I have a funny feeling he might, might end up over in PFL where Fabricio just literally left an open spot for someone of that character because he's a little bit younger, but in a very similar stylistic and size position to Verdum. So it's going to be interesting to see how that ship sails off as well. He doesn't quite got the uh, pedigree that Verdum had, obviously, but I don't think he's completely spent either. I think they kind of threw him to the wolves when they saw a glint of potential in him, and it just didn't fucking go well, which we've seen happen several times with the matchmakers in the UFC, which is why I ridicule Sean Shelby so fucking often. Uh, and as if I needed icing on the cake to make my point for me, Sean Shelby, 
and I guess Hunter Campbell to some extent, uh, we got confirmation that Holly Holm coming into this weekend's UFC San Antonio card has inked a new six fight contract and is expected to get a title shot with one to two significant wins because Holly Holm. One head kick is all it took for her to forever have a permanent contract. Yeah. And the irony is that Paulo Costa is in the middle of contract negotiations as well and has basically been bragging that his girlfriend, who has basically zero actual managerial experience, managed to negotiate him a four-fight contract with a significant pay increase without having any actual managerial experience. And then here is Holly Holm, a multi-time title contender, and as they claim, potential title challenger with as little as one significant win, and she gets locked into a six-fight contract? I don't think so, Tim. So This is one of those situations where we revert back to MMA math doesn't always math. One plus one does not always equal two in the world of MMA because Holly Holly Holmes should not be getting offered a six-fight contract, let alone negotiating a six-fight contract. If and anything, she should be on a... It, and I say if anything at this point, she should be on a fight-to-fight contract. Oh uh, Yeah, a single-bout, single-bout, extendable contract, yes. Uh, and certainly not a single significant victory away from title contention in any sense of the imagination. Um, that they being said, crazy shit like, oh, she wins this weekend. Um, we're going to give her a bow, you know? Right, yeah. She beats Yana Santos-Kunitskaya, and they're going to give her a title shot? Fuck all the way off. Please, absolutely fucking please. But... That being said, um, on the other end of that proverbial coin, as it were, uh, Bellator actually made a spectacular decision in scooping up the 2020 Olympic silver rest, excuse me, silver medal winning wrestler in Kadi Magomedov. He has officially signed with Bellator, uh, extremely predominant Russian. Dagestani wrestler, surprise of no one, Maga Medov, longtime family friends with the Nurmaga Medovs, and training at the Khabib School in Dagestan. So interesting to see how that one shakes loose, but good on Bellator for snatching him up literally straight out of the Olympics at the peak, literally, of his experience in grappling, making the transition with the Nurmaga Medov guiding him into MMA going to be very nice to see how that young man's future shakes loose. I bet it's going to be pretty prosperous. Oh, most definitely. That's a hell of a grab by them. Very smart. Very smart. And they've done that a couple times as well. They did that with Curtis Millinder. Unfortunately, they didn't really do much with him as well, but they have absolutely snatched up a couple. AJ McKee has actually worked out really well for them. They snatched him straight off the collegiate circuit and have basically made him one of the faces of the company. So, it's going to be interesting to see when they get another uh, Dagestani wrestler coming out of that uh, Calabib school 
stepping straight up from the Olympics, essentially, uh, said he's also still going to focus on competing in grappling as well as doing MMA. And Scott Coker said, fucking go for it, dude. We've got Showtime sponsorship, so we can get you all the fucking fun shit you want. So we'll see how that one shakes loose. going to be interesting. Uh, speaking of shaking loose, though, we got a two-for-one special from USADA this week, which we haven't seen in a hot minute now. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Darius Flowers and Kyler Phillips both have officially been suspended uh, pending a full determination of length. They are just temporarily suspended until their full determination hearing happens in May. Uh, but both of them have officially been caught for Osterine. Go fucking figure. Probably the least original substance to get popped for in the UFC these days. And they both managed to do it at the same fucking time. So... Uh, needless to say, we will not be seeing either one of their faces in the octagon anytime soon, and I don't think anyone's going to be too terribly sad about it, motherfuckers. Sounds like they were both getting their supplements from the same supplier. Right, yeah. Sounds like neither one of them were being very intelligent about what the fuck they were doing, and uh, guess what? The pot got tipped over and everybody scattered right into the fucking hands of USADA. Dumbasses. Um... Unfortunately, though, the last one I've got here is a little bit more of a sad note, but as we say, those need to be talked about as well. The good does help the bad reflect the balance of each other. In this situation here, unfortunately, uh, 1FC two-weight contender, um, I'm going to butcher this, and I apologize in advance. I believe his name is Ayur Lapigas. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Uh, passed away this past weekend at the age of 27 in a motorcycle accident in Milan, Italy. Uh, lost control of his bike, hit a car at high speed, and unfortunately that was all she wrote. Uh, most notably in his very young career and just a few years in the MMA game for taking Eddie Alvarez to a very contentious no contest in his last outing. So, you know definitely had a bright future always unfortunate to hear somebody that young in a situation like that unfortunately one fc has had a couple of those lately so absolutely our thoughts go out to them thoughts go out to the family and everyone else affected obviously yeah that's rough well, yeah i'd say i was surprised for a situation like that but a lot of the guys that fight mma are a bit of an adrenaline junkie so that means high speed say, motorcycles thrill seekers uh, yeah yeah, they're thrill seekers for lack of a better term. So it's a bummer. But... In Italy, like, I get it. I get it. Cruising on a bike high speed in the fucking mountains of Milan. Yeah. Could be worse ways ways to go. Yeah, I was gonna say there's there's way worse ways to end up. So <laughs> unfortunately, that's the end of that story, as it were. So again, our, our condolences go out. Um and again, sadly here, uh, as has been the case so far, I believe uh, like 15 weeks running now or something like that, uh, the end of our news and recent events segment once again ends with us sadly having to say that once again we have gone another week and Dana White has still yet to face any repercussions whatsoever for openly slapping his wife in New Year's Eve down in Cabo. So... 
unfortunately, no one seems to have enough testicular fortitude to actually do anything about it in the real fucking world. So until said time, sadly, that is how we will end our news segment, reminding everyone that that piece of shit got away with openly slapping his fucking wife and his only punishment was, quote unquote, having to live with the knowledge that he did it. Go fuck yourself. You have one other notable that I think is worth mentioning because I've seen it out of multiple places. I don't, it's not quite inked yet, but I've seen in probably three or four different places. They're slating Bo Nickel and Trey Sean Gore for the July 8th card, uh, which is UFC 280, I think. International Fight Week? During International Fight Week, yeah. Oh, um, on the potential Jones Stipe card. Yeah, and Bo Nickel himself said July 8th, here we go, on his Instagram. I did see that. I've also seen it posted on the BJPen.com's Twitter. Interesting. I, so yeah, I, that's it's one in of those, a couple like, of places I, out there. I was going to say, I've it, seen it a couple of places. I hadn't seen anything ink yet, which is the only reason I hadn't mentioned it, but... I think it's worth mentioning just because of the a the matchup. I think is finally right. If if they could put that pen to paper and lock that in, oh god damn, that'd it, be a fucking time what, and a great matchup to boot. You know, Bo Nickel's gonna sign the fucking contract no matter who's in front of him. Treshawn right. Gordo would be the fucking retard not to sign that contract because if he ends the hype train, oh man, that That's... blasts him in the outer space. That's yeah, that's publicity either way it goes. Because if Bo takes Treshawn out of the picture, Treshawn was essentially the runner up for a fucking ultimate fighter, only really kept out by injury, uh, who's then had turned around and had a couple of fights in the UFC to get that beginner experience. If he ends that hype train, that just throws him right through the fucking roof. Uh, on the other side, if Bo can come in in his second UFC fight and take on essentially a runner up for the ultimate fighter, that's gonna light that fucking rocket underneath him even hotter man yeah it's it's a win-win for the ufc and for both fighters should they win in that case yeah absolutely i thought it was well worth mentioning now that i've seen it in multiple different sources usually when you start seeing it in multiple different sources it's pretty close to being inked and done right yeah it's usually both fighters have agreed to it they're just waiting for both signatures to be faxed into hunter and especially when you see one of the fighters specifically put july 8th here we go or some shit like that right all right all right i'm on board now gotta make sure it's talked about yeah good shit uh other than that you got anything else (laughs) No, that was the only one that was notable worth my time to talk about there. I think we about covered the rest of it. The news wasn't too crazy this week, which is yeah, fairly kind of nice for a change. Right, no shit. Uh, so, that being said, this would normally be the point where us old farts get to sit back and take a minute to learn about the new up-and-coming fighters that we might have missed because of the blinders that we seem to have developed in our old age and, you know, long experience of watching MMA combat fights. But unfortunately, like we mentioned earlier, life finds a way. (laughs) And uh, our young kid is out doing young kid things, so we hope he's got a good night. And in his stead, Galtie and I are going to give our picks for this weekend's UFC San Antonio cans and contenders so we will start 
with our cans. Golf tee, do you have a specific can in mind for this weekend's San Antonio card? I do, and it's probably going to go against what a lot of people think. To be honest, I think it's Alex Perez. Ooh. He's ranked way higher than I think he physically should be. I don't think he's anywhere near as good in that flyweight division as everybody thinks he is. Uh, he hasn't, to me, hasn't shown what it takes to get to the top. Now, him fighting Manel Cape, that's not a huge thing this week, but I can still see Cape coming in there and dispatching him with relative ease. Because to be honest, I have not been impressed by him yet. Seems a little off the wall to get somebody so highly ranked and think of them as can, but he's been, to me, mediocre at best. I think he's locked his way into the position he's in. I I absolutely agree. I think that's one of those situations where it's more of what the division has done around him than what he has done in the division that has gotten him the ranking and the position that he's in right now. I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, I I don't know that Manel is the one to take him out. I think he can absolutely decision him. I think he can grind on him and make him work for it and, and flash a little bit. I don't know that he's going to be able to take him out, but I, I absolutely agree. He is definitely on the can status on my side for the card as well. Uh, ironically enough, the one that I was looking at as my potential can of the card is actually in the fight just before that. Albert Duraev, uh, we've seen what Chidi and Jaquani is capable of. When that man lets go, people go to fucking sleep, and it's not pretty. It's brutal, and it's fucking quick. And Albert Duraev, for lack of a better term, is a fucking sloth in that cage, man. He drags his feet. His movements are real slow and easy. Jesus, titty fucking Christ. That was my neighbor's house, I think. That lighting real close. It was so damn loud it cut your mic out. Holy shit. <laughs> that was one of those pacemaker checking lightning strikes. Like that hit real fucking close. Uh no, Dariev is, is real fucking slow, man. His his feet drag when he moves. His movements are real deliberate and easy to read. He's not quick enough for the new breed of middleweights that the UFC is is really embracing. And Chidi and Jaquani kind of embodies that quick, fast twitch, fucking get in and drop you with a hard shot that you never see coming type of middleweight. And I think that matchup, I think it really favors Chidi and Jaquani. And I think Dariah might be in for a real bad fucking night. So... Flipping that proverbial coin over. Who are you looking at for your potential contender of the card for this weekend? That one was a little bit tougher for me because, to be honest, I think, well, I say tougher loosely because there's a whole lot of fucking cans on this card. (laughs) So it was easy to pick out a can. I could have taken low tier fruit and went somewhere else with that, but I. I, I went a little on the higher side of things there. Um, but if I'm going to be looking, I want to see a little more Manuel Torres. I have a feeling the kid showed he's got some potential in his first fight in the UFC. Coming into his second against a, a fairly seasoned Trey Ogden, um, it ought to be an interesting fight. And 
hopefully we see him progress a little more because i mean he he's young into his fight career as far as the ufc is concerned and overall 13 2 wins his first fight with a absolute banger of a ko granted there is a slight asterisk next to that it was against camacho and camacho has been known to get KO'd real easy so they did kind of set him up which is all right by me you, you gotta mean, get the kids feet wet make them feel good about themselves and then right. start to get them into those deeper waters so i just from what we saw in the was it like four minutes or so that it took him to knock out camacho that there's a there's a good chance that the kids got a little flare and flash that could really help out that lightweight division. Nice. I could definitely see that as well. I think that's definitely a fun matchup for damn sure. Not to mention Trey Ogden is the guy that comes out looking like an all grade up screech. So it would definitely be interesting to see if he gets to style on screech this weekend. So I could definitely agree with that. Um, I, on the other hand, am going for not necessarily low hanging, but lower hanging fruit. And I don't care because I'm still excited that we get, despite the original matchup falling through the Nate train rolls on this weekend, baby Nate fucking land. We're back in action, coming in to kick the shit out of Austin lingo. Look, I got nothing against Austin Lingo, personally. My only issue is that he signed a contract against my boy, The Train, so he's going to get rolled the fuck over. If you have been watching social media, Nate Landwehr don't even use a fucking mixer cup to do his protein shakes. Puts that shit in a Ziploc bag. Little shake, little shake, bite the corner. Ah, like a fucking monster. He's coming in this weekend for the win, dude. I'm telling you right now. Oh, yeah. I love Nate Landwehr. That dude's fucking awesome. <laughs> I like me some Nate Landwehr. You're right. It, it was fairly low. I won't say it's the lowest hanging fruit on the card because, you know, if that was the case, I would have just said, uh, meet you all night long. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's what I said. It's not the lowest, but I, I will admit it's lower tier fruit, but still. Man, just watching that motherfucker's social media this week as he's been getting everybody fucking pumped coming into fight week, like, that dude is fucking ready. He doesn't care who's lining up across from him now. He's staying on the card. That's all that matters to him. So somebody's getting hurt, in my opinion. It just so happens to be poor Austin Lingo. <laughs> uh, somebody's somebody's got to be the hammer. Somebody's got to be the nail. Right. I agree. Poor Austin just picked this weekend to end up being a nail. <laughs> oh, That being said, though, uh, that will bring us into a segment here that actually requires its own individual disclaimer. So, <laughs> papology.com does not in any way, shape, or form support, endorse, or sponsor the I'm No Joe podcast. Yet, that being said, Tapology does offer you the option to make yourself a free account and make picks on who you think is going to get, excuse me, who you think is going to win the upcoming fights this weekend. And they allow you to make groups on that website to make picks. We have created one such group called I'm No Bookie, all one word, or group 965, however you need to look for it. It is open to the public. You are more than welcome to join and make picks head-to-head against all of us here on the show in a little segment that we get to enjoy called Tapology with TJ. So, I'm going to start out right off the get-go. 
big hats off this week. We're going right into the tapology results from last week's card, the Edward Usman three. Let me say, big hats off to Vin Dog the fucking booty hog. Not only did he come in and dominate the pit last week, but he also came in and absolutely wrecked fucking shop. Yeah, he was stomping like Godzilla on Tokyo over everything last week for damn sure. Yeah. Whatever the hell happened to him, don't know, but uh, you keep that uh, lucky horseshoe wherever the hell you've got it stashed there, man. Because those, I'm not going to lie. I looked at his picks beforehand, and I was like, hmm. I'm thinking he may have phoned up Donna and asked her about her insider information and then asked her to make different picks. Because uh, he absolutely crushed it this week. Oh, right behind him by another 55 point or, or 65 points was his brother. So both Vinny and Christian right at the top of the heap this week. Now, that goes without saying, somebody has to be at the bottom of this pile. But first, a little story for you. So I'm hanging out with my boy Don. We're watching the fights last week and right at his house, having a couple little um, brown and color cocktails. And all the way up through the entirety of the card, Don is tripping over his goddamn dick. Right as soon as they make the call at the end of the very last fight. With Edwards getting the decision over Usman. Don proceeds to jump up like a fucking leprechaun. And start doing a little jig in the basement. Screaming, I didn't trip over my dick. I didn't trip over my dick. And just dancing away. And he did not. He rolled that fucker back up, put it right back where it belongs, and left me to trip over mine. So I ended up in the bottom spot. So this week, it flopped out. I tripped over it right downstairs. Fucking peel myself up, put it away, and try not to be in that spot this week. However, caveat, we do need to mention here, Donna is still the insider information in their household right now. His wife whipped his ass three weeks in a goddamn row. But still, not as bad as me tripping over my own dick. It don't happen often on here, but when I do it, I do it at the very last possible fucking minute, picking Usman, who I fucking knew, and I said the other week, I think Edwards might be his fucking kryptonite. And I'll be goddamned if that wasn't the case. Here we are. Here we are. Just face planting it right out there for you. So, you know, if you want to come make picks with us, feel free to come on over. Not only will I talk shit about you if you trip over your dick, I'll talk shit about myself if I trip over my own dick. And also get in little jabs at my neighbors because, you know, he had to do the jig in front of me. You bastard. But yeah, it's a good time. I'm no bookie group. Group 965 over on tapology.com. Come join us. Make picks every week. It's good-natured fun. None of this is serious. But yes, there are bragging rights. And right now, Vindog Booty has 
every goddamn one of them. From top to bottom, the pit, the fucking picks this week. Bragging rights all week fucking long. He's, it's why, that's why they bailed out. He's probably out fucking celebrating as they're listening to this right fucking now. Because, you know, if you got top two spots, brother to brother, what do you do? You go out there and you fucking party hardy. So, good on him. And that'll bring us into next week's card. So, we're just going to do some quick, and I mean very quick odds this week. The reason for that? On this uh, UFC fight night, Vera versus Sandhagen, there are no wide odds on the card at all. From top to bottom, they're pretty close to coin flips. The largest odds gap there is, is in the Daniel Pineda and Tucker Lutz fight. And they've got Lutz at a minus 285 favorite and Pineda at a plus 245 underdog. That's the largest gap on the entire fucking card. Everything else they have listed basically as coin flips. Either there was some fantastic matchmaking or the odds makers don't see a lot going on here. One of the two. I'm going to go with the latter because there are some questionable fucking matchups on this card. But you know, the hell do I know? So this week, try something new over on Tapology. Maybe just pick everybody on the right or just pick everybody on the left. Especially if you're short on time. If you know you forgot until that last hour when they send you out that last minute notification, maybe you just go and pick everybody on the left. Make your life a little bit easier so you can scrounge that together in less than five minutes. Just right this week, the odds say it doesn't fucking matter. So all I can say is good luck to every fucking one of us because it's going to be an absolute shit show of picks next week. Guaranteed. Either that or we're absolutely going to kill it. There's going to be no happy medium ground. That's what I was going to say. Either everybody's going to crush it next week or there's going to be complete fucking dart boards. Everybody got fucking everywhere across the board spackle style. It's going to look like that fucking good mythical morning when they're playing the where is this food from game. You're just throwing darts all fucking over and nowhere near where it is. (laughs) Oh, shit. But that being said, uh, once again, Jesus, Jesus fucking Christ, calm down a minute, almost done. That being said, uh, <laughs> this would normally be the point in the show where we would get all fucking hypey and fucking get things lined up. But obviously, with it being just me and Dolphy and with it being a card this close that even Vegas isn't giving you a big odds to bet for, we're not putting anybody's rankings on the line. So what we're going to do instead is uh, Golfy and I are going to give a, a nice little rundown of the, the tastiest nuggets for you fine folks on this San Antonio card. Not a lot, but there's a little bit to look forward to here. So before we even get to Saturday night in UFC San Antonio card, there are a couple little appetizers to get you warmed up on the way over there. Uh, two of which both starting at 8 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night, both one... FC Fight Night 8, 
Rod Tang stepping back in for a night of crazy fucking Muay Thai and MMA mixed fucking bouts on a crazy fucking card. There will be entertaining matches on there, even though the casual fan will probably not know most of the names. There will be great fights on that card, I'm telling you right now. Good God, yes. And just to know there's Rod Tang on there, you may as well turn it in anyways, because that's lightning in a fucking bottle. It'll be entertaining, I promise you. If you like fights, you will find something you like on that Friday night F1FC card. The other one that actually starts at 8 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night as well, for some reason, uh, BKFC 39, Barnett Jr. versus Alvarez. Now, lucky for you, you don't need to watch this whole card because it's pretty much dog shit top to bottom. The one fight that, in my opinion, is potentially going to be entertaining on there, though, is the runback of Britton Hart versus, now it's Jenny Colossus, but Jenny Savage is what she goes by in the BKFC world for the 115-pound bout. Now, these two ladies have fought before, and Britton Hart beat the shit out of her. It wasn't even close, but... Different weight class, different circumstances, different matchup. Now we've got a belt on the line here. So in my opinion, that is the one single redeeming fight on this BKFC card. Definitely don't buy that garbage-ass fucking app. Either wait for the replays or find yourself a wink-wink Russian stream. There's plenty of them out there for that. Yeah. Ask could be... <laughs> <laughs> That being said, though, um, Saturday night, the UFC returns to Texas. And for the first time, I think in four years, maybe the UFC has come back to Texas without Derek Lewis on the card. So that could potentially be very big or very bad, depending on how the crowd reacts. But San Antonio is known to be a pretty decent fight city. So that being said, uh, do you have a particular fight that you see on this San Antonio card that is just not getting enough shine, an underappreciated fight for this weekend? To be honest, I said earlier, talking about Manuel Torres, I don't think that that fight's gotten enough shine being as they're both fairly young into their fucking UFC careers, but there's a lot of potential in that fight. I'm not saying it's going to be fight of the night, but it's one that's probably going to be worth watching. Cause I have a feeling there is going to be a little fireworks one way or another. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think that fight isn't getting nearly enough hype. I think that's got potential, especially being so early on the card. If that opening fight, for whatever reason, doesn't light that crowd on fire, I think Torres versus Ogden has a chance to get that crowd hyped up early on. Those fights usually go extra fucking hard, for sure. Well, yeah, you got to get that chance to get that bonus in early. I agree. I agree. And then I, I'm i right there with you. Uh, I'm actually going to go for my, my can pick. Uh, Chidi Njikwani versus Albert Dariah, the opening fight for the main card itself. I have a very strong feeling we don't see round two of this fight. I think Chidi is just going to catch him early and put him on his back like he has done to so many other people, man. He is just, he really is the definition of the next generation of middleweights. He can genuinely do it all, and he's quick and able, excuse me, to do whatever he needs to do in the moment. And 
he seems really apt to just knock motherfuckers out. And Daria, like I said, he's so fucking slow. He's so sloth-like, man. It's not a good thing to do against a guy who's a power shot, just power everything guy like Chidi is. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at the gas she put in fucking Buff Obama's forehead. Right. It, split that motherfucker's eye down to skull almost. It, the craziest part is it tells me what kind of fighter Buff Obama is to come back and win that fight, but fuck. Right. That was, a, that was some wild shit. The dude's got power for days and he's got great hands. So yeah. that says fireworks. Somebody's going to go to sleep. Chances are it's probably not going to be cheating. I'm definitely inclined to agree with you. So. Then we flip that proverbial coin back over, and if that's the case, that there's always one that doesn't get enough, there's always one that gets too much shine. So which one would you pick this weekend for your overhyped fight? Oh, the card? I, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to take the lowest fucking hanging fruit out here because I'm so sick of hearing about it. Holly Holm and Yana Santos. Fuck that shit. Why is that the co-main event? Put Nate Landwehr and Austin Lingo in the co-main event position. You know what? I'll even say go this far. Put Andrea Lee and Macy Barber in the co-main event versus those fucking two. Because that is more of an interesting matchup than those fuckers. I'm so sick of hearing about fucking everything Holly Holm and oh, Yana's coming back from having a baby. Don't give a flying fuck. Neither one of them are worth the weight and salt. That's it. It's just fucking way too talked about. And then to top it off, to know we have to deal with at least six more fights of Holly Holm makes me want to bang my head on a desk until I have to see the fucking cut, man. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. And if you didn't, I was going to go after it because this, I, I genuinely thought when I saw this card originally listed like this, and they had the fucking Andrea Lee versus fucking uh, what's her brain fight on the card, Barber. Uh, I assumed that they were going to make that co-main event because there's no way that they were going to bump Corey and Cheeto. But it's absolutely potentially more interesting than the fucking Holly versus Yana fight is for damn sure. I I think so by a long shot. And to be honest, I think it's going to be a better fight. Yeah. As yeah, much as that's be... weird for me to say, a fight with Andrea Lee is going to be a better fight. But credit where credit is due, she seems to have kind of gotten her shit together a little bit. I'm not saying a lot, but a little bit. There's an attempt being made, you can tell. Yeah, and to be honest, I'm kind of glad to see Macy Barber back on the horse in the wind division after all of her fuckery and the shit-talking she had right in fucking next win on her glove before they put gloves on. Past all of that shit, she seems to have got her head right after the fucking knee injury and getting worked by the fucking Roxanne Modafferi. So, seems she's kind of got got the head right of, oh yes, everybody can be beat on any given night. And so she kind of seems to have put it back together a little bit. Not saying I'm rooting for her by any means. I'm definitely not rooting for Andrea Lee. To be honest, it's a fucking toss-up, but I still think better fight than fucking Holman's on Tulsa all day long. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely in agreement with you there. Uh, 
And since you did go ahead and call that one, uh, I'm going to go ahead and default to my backup here. The other one that I feel like is not in a personal way, but just in a potential manner, getting way more hype than I feel like it deserves. The uh, premier prelim fight, Daniel Pineda versus Tucker Lutz. Both guys so young in their fucking career, both in terms of MMA and in the UFC. Neither one has really proven that they're anything to be hyped about necessarily. Both of them have had flashes, but they're both so young. That happens in almost every fight the young guys have when they first get to the UFC. It takes a couple hard fucking fights to really see what they're made of. And we haven't seen that from either one of those guys, let alone to an extent to put them together to create the fireworks that the premier prelim fight generally brings. And in this situation, absolutely needs to bring like, uh, I, I don't know if this is just local dudes getting local favoritism here in the, the card placement or what, but I, I don't think there's going to be anything special coming out of that fight, least of all enough to promote itself to the premier prelim fight. But like I said, I've been wrong before. I'm often happy when I'm wrong in a situation like this. I just don't think I'm going to be on this one. So that being said, uh, much as I don't want to, I am going to try and keep with tradition here. So as boring as it is going to be, and I think we, we both know how it's going to play out, I am still going to ask for continuity's sake here. In this potential fucking snooze fest of snooze fests that we have got to stall our way through in the form of this co-main event in Hollyville, do you think there is any way other than a decision for this to play out boringly? The only decision that is going to be made in this fight, other than by the judges, is that the entire world is going to put their hands in their face, look down, and just go, why? Why are we forced to watch this fucking garbage in a co-main event every fucking time that Holly Holmes' name pops up? And the worst part of this all, she will probably get the decision and with the new contract in place because she's fighting a number six ranked Yana or fucking Santos, whatever the hell she's going to call herself now. That should be a definitive enough win for them to give her a shot at the fucking Bantamweight title again. Fuck. It's... The... The thought of Holly Holm in the UFC reminds me of U.S. presidencies. They all run too goddamn long. Oh, I thought you were going to say white and boring. That too. But we we did have a mix-up in there, so I can't say that anymore. True, I true. Just, I'm just putting it out there. They all run too long, and they're, they're long past their fucking prime. Can we get some young bloods in there? Can we get some young bloods in this uh, fucking women's fight game over here? And by that, I mean, you see, go out and actively look for fucking talented women. There are a ton of them out there, and they you exist. seem to be missing them. They end up in one. They end up in fucking Bellator. They end up in PFL. For fuck's sakes, what are you doing? The UFC... The, I think part of that is that sorry fucking piece of shit, Dana. We'll always revert back to the well, 
women will never be in the UFC. Then when it comes to fruition, women don't pay the bills in the UFC. Yes, they fucking do. There are quite a few of them that have paid fucking bills. Yeah, absolutely. But you're not going out and actively recruiting others that will pay the fucking bills. Because, you know, God forbid you have to pay them some money or that they're vocal. A la fucking Cyborg. Cyborg vocal against them. They don't like that shit. But she made money. That's all I'm saying. And yet we're stuck with Holly fucking Holm and Yana Santos, Kunitskaya, whatever, post-baby making machine. You do you, boo-boo, but fuck, give me something better than this. And respect where respect is due. Yes, Holly Holm, former champion, known head kick around the world, will forever go down in infamy, is one of the greatest upsets to ever happen. And I say upsets loosely because Ronda Rousey never could fucking strike. But other than that, at this point, we've seen her try and fail so many goddamn times that it's time to think about hanging them up and actually go be the preacher's daughter. Right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, ironically enough, I, I absolutely believe that if Holly were to just stop playing in the MMA game and go back to kickboxing, she would legitimately be a world champion again fairly quickly and probably uncontested because she ruled the roost over there for a hot minute for good reason. She's her style in kickboxing is very hard to get around. Look at some of her matches. She fucked girls up. Hell yeah. That doesn't necessarily translate to the way styles that dominate MMA work. It's not the same type of fight and, I just don't think Holly can really adapt as we've seen time and time again. Yeah, that goes with any of those punch, uh, any of those types of set martial arts where it's just straight punches and kicks. Like you look at what Leota Machida did. Leota Machida ran the table for a little while. Holly Holmes did too. Try to work credit is due again. But because of the type of striking they are, they're very straightforward. They can be found out and picked apart. That's the reason you saw such a drastic downfall in people like Leota Machida, Holly Holm as well, because she's fallen into that same category. But they keep feeding her cans to keep her at the top of the pile so they have a name to throw people against. Right. Just saying. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think there's anything but a decision in the future for that matchup. I don't I don't like it. I'm, I'm not happy that it's co-main eventing. I'm, it, it belongs in a prelim somewhere, in my opinion, but yeah, UFC going to UFC as we unfortunately have to say yeah. so often. I would say there would be a winner in this, but nobody wins. We all lose. Winner in this is whoever has to piss and doesn't want to miss the Sanhagen fight. This is going to give him fifteen minutes to do that. Or yeah, if you have fifteen minutes, um, go hump your girlfriend or something. Or if you're a girl, right. go hump your, your girlfriend. Yeah, make or your, your boy, your boyfriend, whatever. I don't care. This, yeah, this is your intermission fight that we like to yeah. tell people. This is your time for a quickie. Yeah, this is your 15 minutes to do what you need to do, boo-boo. need to rub one out, rub one out. You need to fucking flick your bean, flick your bean, whatever you got to do. That is the time right. to do that's, it. That's your moment, damn right. Then so you can say you won. <laughs> right. That being said, though, as fucking horrendous as that co-main event is, 
Luckily, the UFC did do some moving and swapping around, and we do have a pretty spectacular, in my opinion, main event for this UFC San Antonio card in the form of one Marlon Chito Vera versus Corey Sanhagen. So I am very curious, sir. How do you think this main event shakes loose? This one, to be honest, was a little bit hard to call because I know for a fact myself, I'm a bigger fan of one of those more than the other. And that lately it has been Cheeto Vera by a long fucking shot. I think he's been overlooked way too many fucking times. And to be honest, he's gotten shat on. Absolutely fucking horribly shat on. I mean... How did um, he get skipped in line for a chance at the number one spot by a fucking ass clown? Just saying. The MMA math doesn't add up. Pretty sure he got his ass beat by Vera. That's all I'm saying. I refuse to say that clown's name. He's not even a... He wouldn't even make a good bozo. He makes a good bimbo. Good prostitute, according to Jan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and across, you've got Sanhagen, who's an absolute fucking gamer. And since um, getting his ass fucking choked out, he's looked pretty fucking solid. I mean, yeah. minus the fact that he had to go against absolute fucking couple of killers. And, well, I say a couple of killers. Um. He got decision by fucking Dillashaw on his comeback fight, which I don't fucking know how the fuck that he let that happen. And of course, he goes in and he gets he got worked by on. He absolutely got worked by on. Then he comes out fucking TKO's song in a doctor stoppage in his last fight out. I'm hoping we've seen him turn that fucking corner, but I mean. Outside of um, those couple of losses, he's been one of the most solid guys in the entire fucking division at Bantamweight. Like, you can generally count on him to put out good fights every time. But the run and tear that Marlon Vera is on, old Cheeto there, I don't know that Sandhagen has what it takes to to stop that fucking train. Because Cheeto's just seen... Cheeto reminds me of Charles Oliveira. Of old Dubrovs. He had a rough go at the start of his career in the UFC. A little choppy. But now all those fucking pieces are falling in place. And he just seems to be on a rocket ship to the top. Progressively getting better every fight. I mean, fucking knocked out Dominic Cruz. How many people do you see do that? Not many. You see a lot. We've seen a few people work him, but not really knock him out too often. So, just saying. There's something about Vera that tells me he's going to end up taking this fight. I don't know that he'll be able to finish Sanhagen. Sanhagen's tough to finish. But I think Cheeto gets the win. Now, if there are any MMA gods in play here, if Cheeto wins this, he had better get a shot at that ass clown again. Break, beat the absolute brakes off of him, knock the dye out of his fucking hair, 
and put that motherfucker back at the bottom of the pack where he fucking belongs. And then, if there is an MMA god there at the same time, he can go and slap the shit out of Patriot Yan for not showing up in that fucking fight. Right. But either way, I think I think Vera gets it done. But I think it's it's gonna be uh it, it's gonna be fairly lopsided, I think. I think he's gonna work Sanhagen from the first through the fifth round. I agree with you, but for a little bit different reason. Um I think if you look stylistically, and a lot of people might not think about it this way, for all of their major differences, stylistically speaking, Sean O'Malley and Corey Sanhagen are very similar in the way that they both throw their jumping knees and they both throw a lot of flying knees. They like that fucking high impact, quick leap move. And if you just look at the gift that I used to open the show with of when Sean O'Malley tried to do that exact move to Cheeto Vera, not only did he block the attempt, but he swept his fucking leg out from underneath him and then pushed him back, put him on his ass, folded him up and fucking crunched him down like an old taco. It was a beautiful fucking maneuver. And I like Corey Sanhagen. I really do. And I think he's had some great fights and I think he has a lot of potential, but I think what he doesn't do well is adjust because we've seen in several fights now, even when the opening is not there ever since he landed it on poor fucking Frankie, he has fallen in love with that jumping knee and he throws it Anytime he's got an opportunity to do that because he thinks he's going to be able to do that to other people. It's the same thing you see when a guy gets his first real big knockout and they say that he's fallen in love with his hands and he forgets everything else. When you get that one big shot and then in your brain, you're going to be able to do that to every guy after that. You bail on what got you to the fucking dance in trying to replicate that one moment over and over. And Corey, for all of his fucking great abilities really, really seems to be locked in on that knee that he landed on Frankie, and he tries to hit everybody with it. Luckily for him, nobody else has really had much of a defense against that to put it back on him. They've just been contending with it. Cheeto almost specializes in guys that do that kind of flashy shit, and not to mention, he's got that fucking hellbow, man. He loves when dudes try and get in close to him to do stupid shit like that, because he'll fucking crack you across the dome with the corner bone of his fucking elbow, and you'll fold like a laundry basket, man. It's happened several times. I promise it's going to happen again before Cheeto's done, because he's real accurate with that shit. He throws it like a sniper, and when that fucker connects to the corner of your jaw, it's sleepy time, man. I really like Corey Sanhagen, but I don't feel like he has adjusted his game enough for a guy like Cheeto who will absolutely exploit those openings in his fucking style. I think Cheeto lays in the fuck out. I do think Cheeto gets it done. I don't think it's going to be early, though. I think it's going to be one of those where they they have a little bit of a chess battle back and forth. There's a little bit of a feeling out, but I think once Cheeto starts to get that read, much like in the O'Malley fight, once he starts to figure out the timing and the rhythm at which your attacks come, it it gets bad quick. <laughs> yeah. I, I can definitely see it going that way. I just, I don't see a world right now where San Megan wins that because you're exactly right. And he does seem to be locked into that. And I get it. Your brain has this funny thing that it does where 
reward system. You do you do something really well. Your brain rewards your body for that and makes you remember it to try to repeat it over and over. Now, being a fighter, that's not a good fucking thing because then you end up in this same situation where it's like Groundhog's Day. You're doing the same shit over and over and expecting the same result. However, he's not getting that result every time. All he's doing right now is doing the same thing over and over and getting a different result, which is not working out. He does need to go back to what got him to the top. If he does go back to that this weekend, it'll be a whole different fucking fight. But from what we've seen lately, I don't think that's the case. I, I Don't get me wrong. This is another one I would love to be wrong on. I would love to see the, the fucking classic switch him up, quick moving, stance swap, swapping fucking... Corey Sanhagen, we saw early on, who just comes in and fucking blitzes unpredictably, but intelligently. I I don't think we're going to see it, though. I think he's fallen in love with that flying knee, and I think Cheeto's prepared for it. But that being said, that is what we have got for this particular episode. So... First and foremost, uh, however, wherever, whenever you are consuming this, if you are watching the show, we appreciate you. Whether you are catching this live in video format, Thursday nights, 930-ish Central Standard Time on YouTube.com slash I'm No Joe. Whether you're catching it the week after we go live over in your audio podcast consumption platform of choice through anchor.fm slash I'm No Joe. Now also partially Spotify. Uh, see the post about that. Uh, or if you really just want to help out what we do around here, the best way to do that, patreon.com slash I'm no Joe for as little as a dollar a month, you get your name as a thank you in the end of every single broadcast on this channel. You also get access to unaired and literally unairable content, things that we legally have to make sure you're over 18 and are behind the paywall to get access to. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. That being said. Uh, on the other side of that coin, if you don't like what we get up to around here, first and foremost, what the fuck are you still doing this deep into a podcast you didn't enjoy? Give us a thumbs down and then go fuck yourself. We won't even dispute it. But just when you think it's all, it's not all. Because even though the show ends on Thursday evening, tomorrow morning, and pretty much every Friday morning, the boys who are taking the night off have their own podcast about punchy kicking and all things life related slow bake and contemplate over on Spreaker.com. You can also catch those boys over on, excuse me, over on Instagram. All of their links are down below. And if that wasn't enough roll in the week back over Wednesday evenings, this motherfucker right over here, 9 PM ish central standard time over on the golf tea vapes YouTube channel. We do a thing called the foggy fairway where we mix up some delicious e-liquids. We talk some shit. We get into fun shenanigans and just have a good time Wednesday evenings. His Instagram is also down there below. So you don't miss any of his fun shit as well. Oh, yeah. Now, let's see if we can not fuck this up this week. If you're wondering about all of the things the meter does outside of Kiki Punchies on Thursday, we'll write down below to link, which would be linktree slash meter does many things, which will take you to the place, places of all the places 
that the meter does many things up at. So again, just go click on the link, link tree slash meter does many things. Can't fuck that up again. Um, I'm one more strike and I'm out of this. That's how that works. But yeah, go check out all the other shit he does. It's a lot more than just this. He's on my show every Wednesday and he's got a bunch of other shit he does on his own. Get in there. It'll tickle your fancy, guaranteed. Much appreciated. So, that being said, that is all we've got for this particular episode. So, again, until next time, boys and girls, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless it's the UFC being consistent at this point. Good job.